Joe Price here, special guest. Um, you know, he's been on the show quite a bit. He's our how do I put this, Joe? I would say Cowboys correspondent. I'll but, I'll yeah, own yeah, that moniker. If, you're if, gonna be on the website soon. We'll, we'll we'll get you guys an email so you guys can email Joe your your Cowboys questions. Now, I gotta be honest, Joe. This was a rough sh- this was a rough game uh, for the Cowboys. When you watch it, uh, you know all the way through. Micah Parsons got two sacks, but then got completely clotheslined by Leonard Fournette. I like I, it was weird all around. Um, and then obviously, yes, the big news: Dak Prescott looking like he's gonna be out for at least uh, a couple of months. Uh, you know, anywhere from six to eight weeks, I believe was what I had heard, or at least I had seen. Maybe I'm completely off by that. Oh, there's been updates on that, so that's okay. We'll get into that. That's that's why you're here. That is why you are here, my friend. Um, I think here's the thing: when you when you couple this all of this with the fact that Dak Prescott a couple of years ago missed uh, most of the season in 2020 because of an ankle injury, which was horrific, I'm glad he made the full comeback, to getting to the playoffs last year, looking like the magical team, to now again facing an injury like this i just is are i'm gonna just i'm gonna ask it are cowboys fans running out of hope in dallas um my barometer for knowing that beyond my own limited subjective point of view as a deeply emotional and superstitious cowboys fan (laughs) i would go so far as to say i'm not just superstitious i'm extra stitious about this team (laughs) Um, you know, I'm, I'm on a lot of Facebook groups that, uh, Cowboys fans, Facebook groups, and some people are saying this, the general barometer is, is that, is that there's not hope. Mm -hmm. Um, and the underlying fear, and this is what I, based on the lead up to this season, what was done in the off season, which we discussed and we'll get into in a little bit. Um, and, and the game itself. And then the 48 hours after the game, how, how management, how Steven and Jerry, excuse me, Jerry and Steven reacted to the crisis that they created. Um, I am firmly of the opinion that Jerry Jones has, has gone full Al Davis. Um, for, for those NFL fans who are too young or aren't, aren't, aren't part of Raiders nation, um, which I know many of your, uh, viewership is, uh, Al Davis in his later years of owning a, a prestigious and historic and respectable football club. Um, it's, the Raiders have always been my favorite team in the AFC since I was a little kid, like. If I weren't a Cowboys fan, I would be a Raiders fan because I just it'd just be a lateral move to being a piece of crap. But <laughs> just like a different, you know, variety. Yeah. I'd have a large neck tattoo, and <laughs> and you know, um, but Al Davis in his later years uh, was not fully connected with the reality of the NFL necessarily, but still had full ownership and full management of of the team and personnel and and made a lot of historic mistakes and just kind of had a reputation as being unhinged and disconnected and and you know kind of a mad king figure and i i it's my feeling that that the dallas cowboys and jerry jones who bought the team in the late 80s and turned it from a 
contender that never won anything to a to winning three Super Bowls in four years um, at at a at a time when the the league was probably the most competitive it's ever been, um, which is a whole nother discussion. Maybe we'll talk about after the playoffs or something mm-hmm. um, of of eras of NFL. But uh, and and one that uh, you know put together a team and a coaching staff, most importantly, um, that, that was able to win three Super Bowls in four years. And in the, in the 26 years or so since then, um, have contended, but never been able to seal the deal, never been able to get farther than the divisional round where they either lose to the, to the Packers in mortifying fashion or the Rams in just kind of a thing or (laughs) Or it's a wild card loss that's even more embarrassing. Um, point being, after the wild card loss at the end of last season, um, there were a lot of problems that you and I addressed on this show that a lot of other commentators addressed that everybody who was paying attention to the NFL, even people who make a career out of hating the Cowboys, your Stephen A. Smith's, and your uh, um, uh, uh, Shannon Sharps yep. um, accurately pointed out that the Cowboys needed to address their O-line, they needed to address their receiver core, and they needed to make their pass rush better because as great as Micah Parsons is, and Micah Parsons is great, yep. um, there's, there, he, he can't Do it shore up the entire defense. Um, and and not that there aren't other good defensive players in there, but they're they're especially with the loss of Randy Gregory to Denver, um, needed to address things at the pass rush, and then losing Amari Cooper, Leo Collins, Cedric Wilson. None of these things were addressed. Um, there were a lot of really good wideouts that were available. There was a wideout that played Sunday night for for Tampa that was available that that would have been pretty good in a in a Cowboys uniform that night and that's Julio Jones um uh Tyreek Hill was available even even those are kind of like the top tier but there are plenty of other wide receivers available um after losing Amari Cooper not lose I mean they traded him but but uh they they didn't address the, the passing game, they didn't address the O-line issues, and, the, you know, especially with a late um, training camp injury. Um, I'm blanking on the left tackle. Oh, Tyron Smith. Yeah, thank you. Um, so that's huge and w- caused further problems to an already damaged O-line, and which always creates problems for the rest of the offense. The offense can't get going if, if the O-line's not working. And uh, Jerry would get out there in, in front of a microphone and say, well, we're trusting in the guys that we've drafted and that we've brought into this organization. We don't want to bring anyone else from outside and we're just going to trust in our, we like our guys. And, you know, that's, that's his, that's the drum he's beating. And it's, it's not real. I believe it's not really that he likes his guys. It's that he likes the decision that Jerry Jones made to make those guys Dallas Cowboys and bringing in a star wide out, bringing in a marquee player like you would, like he did in the nineties with bringing in Deion Sanders 
yep. um, who made it possible to win um, the third or the, uh, the fifth total, the third of that era um, Super Bowl, because um, they couldn't beat San Francisco when Deion Sanders was there. It, bringing in a marquee player, Jerry won't do it because it's it's. Um, I I believe he thinks it would reflect poorly on him because it would take away from his ability to take credit for another championship yep. if if the Cowboys ever win it. Um, so I think he's just in this kind of disconnected from reality phase. And I've 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 posited this before on the on the show to an extent that. Sometimes it feels like he just cares more about selling jerseys and hats and t-shirts um, than he does about winning championships. And and mm-hmm. I think that's a factor. And I think just having p- good PR is a factor for him. Um, and I base this on how the game went and, and the aftermath of the game. Um, because... Uh, the, as good as Dak Prescott is, he can't do it all himself. And when he has yep. no O-line and they triple cover C.D. Lamb on every play, yep, um, it's it's hard to, to create magic there. And and that's why you don't get time to create plays, and that's what, which is why things happen where you hit the same defender's helmet with your hand twice in a row because they're getting close enough. Um, and bizarre... Bizarre coaching decisions, um, because because Zeke was running pretty well in the first half, yeah, and then they just stopped using him in the second yeah. half. Um, it's baffling. It really is. Yeah, uh, I mean, he averaged five point two yards for that game, and most of that was done in the first two quarters, and he looked good. It you know it wasn't nineteen or <laughs> it wasn't two thousand sixteen Dak, but it was yeah. it was uh, or sorry Zeke. But it was it was of a better quality than we've seen from him in the last couple of seasons, mm-hmm. um, which was encouraging. And then and then they just stopped relying on that. And again, weird coaching decisions. And and those are our guys, and we like our guys. And and nothing was wrong in that department as far as Jerry Jones was concerned after the game. Um, yeah. The major concern, of course, being Dak Prescott being injured. So initially, it was six to eight weeks. Um, but then on Tuesday after the game, uh, two days after, Jerry Jones announced that um, they're not putting Dak on IR. Yep. They're keeping him in the roster spot in the starting lineup uh, because he expects him to be healed up in as little as four weeks. Mm. Um, he had surgery on Monday, the day after. Um which again lends itself to my to my mad king theory here that he's so dead set on taking credit for all the decisions that are made that he won't bring in the talent the marquee talent that the Cowboys need to win and it's not just that the Cowboys need to win it every team understands this now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the LA Rams have proven the model that you can put together a super team. You can put all your chips into the right now and not worry about building for the future. Um, you know, you can give up draft picks and and whatnot and, and just put all everything on this year and you can 
you can win a Super Bowl. Yep. Um, the Bucks proved it. The Rams have proved it now. And I was skeptical of it. I said two years ago that, you know, the NFL isn't the NBA. You can't just put together an all-star team and win a championship. You can in, in the, the current era NFL. Um, and and more teams are aware of it now than used to be, which is why so many have accumulated, you know, fantasy football rosters, essentially. Exactly. Um, in, a, in a way that we haven't really seen in the modern NFL and, and Jerry Jones doesn't want to do that um, because they're, they're keeping Dak on the roster with the expectation of bringing him back in front of this, this floundering O line uh, with no receivers uh, with as little time as possible to heal. And the only backup they have in the meantime is Cooper rush who, while being a fantastic quarterback in that game against Minnesota last Halloween, he beat my Vikings. That's all that matters. Great night. Great night. That was a, that was an emotional victory for me. Um, it's always fun, because <laughs> um, because uh, the Vikings Cowboys rivalry is weird. There is a rivalry there, and it's pretty yeah. strong. And generally, the um, Vikings are the Washington Generals to the to the Harlem Globetrotters of the Dallas yep. Cowboys. But but the Vikings are always dangerous, in my opinion, and they can always embarrass you, as they did to. Um, Green Bay on Sunday, which was I'm a shock to you, that, that was the most fun <laughs> I had on that Sunday was watching that Minnesota Green Bay game. It's always fun to watch Aaron Rodgers lose and to Amen. watch the Packers Amen. lose. So, you know, I I have to give Dak for that. Yeah. Um so uh, Cooper Rush is is capable of winning games, I guess. I I guess he he can he can fill in and Jerry in one of his press conferences was like, you know, he's I'm not comparing them, but you could have a similar situation to when Dak filled in for Tony. And he just he just wants this narrative of everything built up from the ground up within the organization. And we don't bring in talent from other teams. We just grow it in our farm system like we're some kind of, you know, Iowan baseball team and not yep. the most valuable f- sports franchise on the planet that hasn't contended for a championship in a quarter of a century. Like (laughs) the disconnect is insane to me. Um, But, but again, that's, that's what Jerry's doing. So even though there are quarterbacks on the market available, I mean, if, if, if really desperate, I know, I know the, a lot of people are saying Jimmy Garoppolo, which I'm like, uh, but with with no O line to protect him, with the, with the the current Dallas Cowboys O line, he would be no better than Cooper Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Newton, I'm I'm a little more a, a little more bullish on, I guess, because because I feel like he's got a I I feel like he could grasp the offense that that Dak Prescott plays. Mm-hmm. Um he's not as mobile as he once was and he's not the greatest passer, but also like, like I, I, I feel like dad, like Cam Newton could be better than Cooper rush. I feel like it's worth the gamble. If, if you're serious about what was Jerry's goal at the beginning of the season, we talked about this last time it was getting to a a, NFC championship game, getting past the divisionals, to an NFC, NFC Championship game. If that's really the goal of this team for this season, Cooper Rush ain't the dude to do it. And uh, Noah, 
who was who was the receiver that got or no brown or something i can't even oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about um give me i gotta i gotta look this up every time i bring you on i always (laughs) deep into the roster yep 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 here we go uh let's see uh go okay of the Cowboys depth chart here. I wish you guys could share screens with me. I think this would be interesting. Um, let's see here. Uh, but uh, oh, Noah Brown. Noah Brown. Okay. I, okay. You're I right. You're right on it. You you, you weren't Amazing. wrong. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and, you know, and he had he had a few catches Sunday night. That's great. Um, <clears throat> that's not the future of this franchise, and certainly not if they're tilting for a championship. So, if they are tilting for a championship, as they claim then moves need to be made, but they're not making moves because they're not really tilting for a championship, but they're also not doing the smart thing and just like tanking the season. And I know we're one game in and, and, and I'm I'm probably not going to watch the game against Cincinnati on Sunday. I, I kind of want to do some hiking or some fishing, you know, like outside. <laughs> um, That's what it's turned to is like, oh, there's better things to do right now, at least. Yeah, because I just, I just, I guess there's no hope in this team. Um, I've already, you know, in the preseason, I my birthday comes right before the preseason. So I always end up buying myself a bunch of merch, like a dupe. Um, and at lends itself to my my thesis statement that it's that it's about that the Dallas Cowboys are about t-shirts and hats and and bumper stickers and keychains more than they're about winning Super Bowls um and 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 I feel that that's going to be the case for the foreseeable future um as long as Jerry is still uh piloting the ship I know Steven has a lot of control mm-hmm. he's he's the de facto general manager in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, I don't, maybe we get a mid season replacement of Mike McCarthy and, and uh, um, Dan Quinn gets promoted. Um, like, like if, if there's like a four or five game slide continuing after this first game, that's, I'm kind of hopeful for that. Just, just, I mean, because it's going to be news no matter what the Cowboys do. I'd rather it be, like, satisfying Mm -hmm. than just, like, piddly, you know, like we're the Detroit Lions or Cleveland Browns or something. I don't know. I feel... (laughs) I feel that lends itself to a bigger question, though, when you consider the fact that, you know... You know Dan Camp or not Dan or Dan Quinn, excuse me, Dan Campbell. We were talking about the lines there, but so Dan Quinn, we talk about the man that went to a Super Bowl and led led the Patriots twenty eight to three in a Super Bowl. So I guess that's kind of parlaying into my biggest question here for you is so what do is it is it more of a like the one player that's needed for the Dallas Cowboys or is it more of the coach that is uh, that is the, the 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 thing that puts it all together. Um. I think Mike McCarthy could maybe coach. Well, he could definitely coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because yep. Tom Brady would just coach the offense. And then who, you know, Mike McCarthy yep. would put a guy on defense to do that for him. And yep. he'd just stand on the sideline looking dumb. Cause that's what <laughs> he does. He's a game manager. Um, that's what he did in green Bay. That's what he's done in Dallas. We all know it. 
it's not it's, I'm not telling tales out of school here um and and that squad is talented enough that it 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 can basically run on autopilot i I look at the other super team of the last two seasons the l a Rams like I don't know if Mike McCarthy could i i I, as much as uh, Sean McVay bothers me on a number of levels, his youth and his his ability, first and foremost, um, uh, I will I will give Sean McVay credit, and, and he there there's something special to him that 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 puts him in a in a kind of higher echelon of of coaches in terms of strategy and just just basically being able to run a team and we saw the difference of what Sean McVay's coaching did for a Jared Goff led Rams in the Super yep. Bowl versus a um uh why am I blanking on the quarter Oh Matt Stafford Rams. Matt Stafford thank you so uh that Rams squad and 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 granted they were a murderer's row they had Von Miller in their defense which they don't this year and they're obviously yep. missing um, yep. As we saw in the kickoff game, um, but so so I, I don't know that there. I, I guess there's an argument to be made to answer your question that that Mike McCarthy could coach a talented enough squad to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He's done it once, and that wasn't a very talented Packers team. That I mean, you, there there were talented players on that on on both sides of the ball, but. A lot of that was just Aaron Rodgers carrying that team it was, it was across the finish hurt. line on his, his back. back. Hurt after that season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone would argue with that. So, so it's hard for me to exclusively blame the coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the issues are with personnel, and more so than last year because they let go of a bunch of talent, as we discussed all off season. Um. But I don't think it's one player that could fill it out. I don't think like, oh, if you put, if we got, let's say, uh, um, shoot, who's an available wide receiver right now that's not Antonio Brown? I mean, <laughs> Forget it. Let's say Antonio Brown, whatever problem he has with his ankle, like magically healed and he had a come to Jesus moment and he was like, you know what? I just need to like do my job and go to work and I'll go to whatever team that pays me and I'll, I'll just do the best I ever done. Let's like all, all possible, you know, upsides to it. Let's say Antonio Brown signed to the Dallas Cowboys and put on that silver and blue Jersey. Um, I don't think that would be the difference maker with the O line that we have. I don't oh, yeah. think it would be the difference maker with, I hate to say it, now I'm doubling back on on not blaming Mike McCarthy. I think some of the blame goes to Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, we already talked about how they divvied out the running game uh, yep. uh, in that opening game, so uh, that that falls at his feet. Um, but but I but I thought the defensive coaching was good for the most part. They only held that. Tampa team to 19 points and that which that is very ran, respectable. That's my ran thing, all over the Cowboys defense and they still managed to only hold them to ne- only one touchdown. Yeah, that's um, my thing, Joe. So, is like if you hold a team in the NFL to 19 points and you have a halfway decent offense that's not the Cowboys offense, I mean, 
now minus the offensive line, like we've covered at nauseum, but in the NFL, if you hold a team, this is the, I'll actually bring it back to the Vikings a couple of years ago. They were, it was a, some crazy stat when they held an opponent to like under 20 points, they were like 54. Like it was some crazy stats, like 37, uh, 12 and one or something. It was crazy. Like they literally, and in that same stretch, they were like 30, 30 and Oh, uh, when they led at halftime, because it was, Hey, we're not going to do anything crazy. We're going to play solid defense, run the football, run out the clock. But on the flip side of that, if you are an, a, a half decent defense, and let's say you do l- allow less than that 20 points per game, and you have the Dallas Cowboys offense, I you should have won that game. Like there is no reason in my mind, especially if you have the weapons uh, to that of, uh, you know, uh, to all of these weapons that the Cowboys have. Uh, I, I just feel like, it, it it lends itself to a bigger question. And, you know, is it, is it kind of a coaching thing again? I don't know. I, it's kind of crazy for me. You know, I do think, you know, I, I want to ask this, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Antonio Brown. Um, if there is, if there is one player though, that you think uh, now, again, they have to be available. You can't just go trade for Patrick Mahomes and all of your, all of sure. your worries be, be solved. But if there is one player that you think can uh, at least keep them, uh, the Cowboys competitive. Who's that player that you look at and you're like, okay, you know, and I, and this again goes to the fact that, you know, I know Cooper rush was good enough to be able to get the job done. So I'm not saying he's not, but what I'm saying is I feel like if there's one player that you take a look at and you're like, Hey, I think this could be, uh, you know, as a Cowboys fan, do you have a player in mind? Um, that's tough. Cause like I said, I mean, you could put a great wide receiver a healthy Antonio Brown or a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. The third. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, it would, it would bring pressure off of CD, which, which they need to figure out because they, I mean, Tampa just triple covered him the whole game and it it worked. Um, they, they absolutely nullified him. You can't just have one star wide out. So I guess, I guess it would be a second wide out. Um, because, like, you know, the quarterbacks I discussed earlier, I, should, I, I guess there's a few other options around the league. Some people have said Nick Foles, um, which would be a fun, you know, that'd be fun. But uh, for as far as receivers, I, I'm, I'm stumped. I don't even know who, yeah. who well, would be available. But there were players available in the offseason. There were plenty of free agents available in the offseason, and these things didn't get addressed. Um, and and I believe they didn't get addressed by design. Let, so. let me ask you this, because I feel like this is a bigger question here too. Now, before Dak Prescott went, went down, now again, prayers for, for him. Hopefully it's a, it's a fast uh, recovery and everything. But before he went down, he went 14 of 29 for 134 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. Now, I will, I'll extend the olive branch. That's our new favorite saying on this show. I'll extend the olive branch of the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let's face it, that defense is nasty. Devin White had a couple sacks. Anthony Nelson, Vita Vea also uh, adding sacks for him. No, Antoine Winfield Jr., the one that got that interception. So it's just, it truly is stacked. But, you know, what do you think is, uh, I guess, what do you think is the issue with a guy watching it that Dak Prescott is, who's usually, you know, a, 250 to 300, maybe even 400 past a uh, past yard type guy to 134, no touchdowns and one pick. I, I just, I don't, I, I did not see that coming. Um, you know, up till the injury, I was disappointed, but not shocked 
because this is pretty much the DAC we saw last season with a with a better O line and a and a better receiving core. Um, this is the thing I blamed on coaching last season is that he didn't really show up until the fourth quarter, and then he'd en- either engineer a comeback or or score, you know, twenty one points in the last six minutes and still be down by a score and a half or whatever because yeah. of whatever the defense gave up. So, uh, I think Dak um, is a is a good potentially great quarterback i like him a lot personally like just as a fan um but he can't he's not patrick mahomes he's not um i don't know he had he needs he needs weapons and he needs protection up front just like i mean even a great quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers, when he has no protection up front, he's just not as good. Um, and and you can't blame it all on the quarterback when they're not given to you can blame it on the quarterback when the quarterback has, you know, is is Dante Culpepper and just yep. hangs out in the pocket with his sausage fingers all day long, just just counting to six. Yeah. Um but but when Dak is trying to make things happen it's hard for me to to blame him exclusively because i think if he had if he had the o-line that the bills have this season i think he'd be doing pretty well um i'd I'd, and the the buccaneers o-line is not much better than the cowboys o-line as as the cowboys defense was able to exploit pretty well um not enough, but pretty well. And and I think that will continue to hound the Bucks through this season. I know they'll have guys come in off injury, but they've they've lost a few players permanently um that that are difference makers and then I, I think we'll see. I, I I think the Bucks are a favorite for the NFC championship, but I will we'll see how that goes for them as the season goes on, because that's it it's a hard thing to do um, yeah. to maintain when you don't have the protection up front for the quarterback. Um, well, like I, the most I, obvious thing in the world, but so I can't, I can't blame it on Dak exclusively and I can't even blame it. I mean, you can blame it somewhat on them switching from Zeke to Pollard in the second half um, and switching up how they were doing the running game and not being able to establish rhythm. I guess that's a coaching thing. Yeah. Um, but also that O line is not good, so you can't. But even effectively that establish degree, the run. Well, yeah, and and plus I think that to a degree, you know, if if you have a good enough run game, that I mean, Zeke, you mentioned it had five five yards of carry. If you can, because there's things I feel like you can do to slow down a pass rush, and there's things that you can do, you know, because this offensive line, you know, it. I know it's not necessarily what it was back in 2016 and you know that those special years when you had Zeke uh and you had Dak that were just laying wood on everybody uh yeah. behind that offensive line I mean but you know I I fully believe um you know that I I'm never been I I say never but I'm always one that takes a look after week 1 and I'm like okay is this actually a thing where this team is bad or is it just hey this is our our, our initial reaction this is not actually what uh, the, this team is. And I, I gotta be honest, Joe, I don't think I'm ready to just full out, come out and say that, um, the Cowboys are like out of hope, but 
it's hard. It's hard coming back after a game like that uh, and watching uh, a, a guy like Tom Brady just still looks like an astronaut, just still finds a way, it, you know, what he's complete, like 67% of his passes, over 200 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. I mean, Leonard Fournette ran for over 120 yards. It's just like I'm not ready to just go out and say that it is, it's over, but it's like, but it's hard when you come back from a game like that. And there's, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. It's, it's a tough question and it's tough when you look at this Cowboy squad. And that's the thing though. Cooper rush to me doesn't need to do anything special. Like he, I, honestly, if, if the offensive line can hold, which, you know, you still got Tyler Smith, you've still got Connor McGovern, Tyler Beatish, as well as Zach Martin and Terrence Steele. You don't need to reinvent the wheel here. If the defense plays up to what it did, you're going to tell me that with the offensive weapons that Cooper Rush has, he can't put up three touchdowns. I mean, I I feel like that's enough to win in this league, or at least two touchdowns and a, or two field goals or whatever it is. But the, at the end of the day, I think, you know, when bef- until you get Dak Prescott back, I think the game plan shifts from, hey, we're not trying to put up 40 anymore. We are trying to score. I think the magic number here is 21, if I'm being real, mm-hmm. because, you know, what we talked about earlier with with teams uh, that if uh, the, the, the whole Viking statistic about um, holding teams to under 20 points, uh, you know, you do this. If the Cowboys can hold uh, a very talented team like the Bucks to 19 points and they can, you know, put points on the board enough, you know, because that's the end of that thing. You just got to score more points than them. I I'm not fully ready to give up, but I got to tell you, man, that hill to climb is like that right now. And I just, I feel for the Cowboys. I really do. Um, do me a favor. Can you, can you make a note, make a, make a note you'll remember. Okay. Um, this moment, I want us to talk. Let's see. It'll be the 26th of November. I might have that date wrong. I want to talk to you the day after. Um, the Vikings host the Cowboys. You mean lose again the in U.S. Bank Stadium? Um, and I, let's make note of of how well um, Justin Jefferson does in that game, which may be yep. Dak's first game back, yep. um, first or second game back, according to Doctor Jerry Jones's timeline. Um, <laughs> Let's. I, I want to take special note of of Justin Jefferson's numbers that day versus C.D. Lamb's that day, yeah. and then I want to point out that that Jerry passed on Justin Jefferson. Yeah. For C.D. Lamb, which, uh, yeah, C.D. Lamb lit up the the Big Twelve, which yep. everybody knows has no defense. Um, <laughs> Though you wouldn't have known that Saturday watching the Longhorns host oh, the number one team in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide, having them up against the ropes until the very last minute and the Tide only winning because the refs did not call three quarters of the holding calls that were or the holds that were made that day. And they took away a safety in the end zone that would have yep. would have given the Longhorns the the unranked. Texas Longhorns of the University of Texas at Austin um, would have beaten the number one team in the nation. I'm, you see me kind of smiling about it. Mm-hmm. That was a good loss. Came out of that loss happy, like happy for the Longhorns, like hook them yeah. horns, because yeah. uh, like that, it couldn't have done any better other than win. But like that, what nobody expected them to win going into that game. 
That felt good, that loss. The loss Sunday was just completely gutting and demoralizing as oh, yeah. a Cowboys fan. Like, there was, there was no silver lining to it, especially not to the reaction by Jerry and Steven, by Dr. Jerry Jones, after um, to to just kind of be like every okay everything's going this is this is totally okay that we could have we could have planned for this whole off season but we didn't because we made the right moves and so we're just sticking to the plan and we're going to put Cooper Rush in and keep Dak on the sideline every game and it's just like again after the the Vikings host the Cowboys um the week before weekend before Thanksgiving you and I will talk again, hopefully yep. before that. But definitely after that, I want to discuss um, management philosophies of NFL <laughs> yeah. franchises. Because um, it's really where the rubber meets the road. Because if, if a team like the Minnesota Vikings or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Los Angeles Rams can, can put it together and create a successful team, and obviously it's the first game of the season, there's a lot of football still to be played and all that. But um, I think there's a lot more optimism um, in your neck of the woods, uh, your neck of fandom. I would um, call it cautious optimism. Sure. And, and, and Vikings fans should always be cautiously optimistic. And I, I respect that. It's, <laughs> it, it's on brand. Um, do, do, do you know why I hate games like Sunday for the Vikings, Joe? Because you're just waiting for the other shoot because to drop. Because I'm waiting for the inevitable plane crash that is the Minnesota Vikings to take over. Now, I just I, – I hate to say that because there's been teams where I – when I was in seventh grade, I'll never forget Brett Favre uh, signed with the Vikings, and I'm just like, okay, what's this, what's this old guy going to do? And it was one of the most amazing seasons I have ever witnessed. Like, there was a different feeling that year with that team. Like, it was – like the the year he brought him all the way to the NFC title game and it was targeting the entire game. And, you know, he was just getting lit up at every play. And then we fast forward through the Donovan McNabb years, through the Christian Ponder years, through uh, the, I, I know I'm, I'm laying some quarterbacks out here through the Teddy Bridgewater years, even though I love Teddy Bridgewater and we get to the Kirk cousins years mm. to see this man play like he did Sunday. It's the only thing I can have is, is cautious optimism because when I see him throw for almost 200 yards with Justin Jefferson and like the, everything's clicking, like the offensive line, could it be better? Absolutely. But like to see all of this come together, I'm not ready to like, what's the line? It's like, yep, I'm ready to get hurt again. Oh yeah. From the office. Yep. I'm ready to get hurt again. And it's just like, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm not there yet, Joe. Every Vikings fan is pumped and I get it. But the question that we all have to ask ourselves is it truly like those seasons where, you know, we take a look at Brett Favre that late in his career and say he can't lead us to a spot? I'm not ready to say that about Kirk Cousins. I love the Vikings as much as the next person. Uh, at, uh, more, more. I, I, I definitely love my Vikings more than anything. But <laughs> I also know what comes when you have too much optimism. Uh, and it's it's the perfect trap game against the Cowboys. It was last season. It was the year before that. And now we're at a point where I'm just like, great, they're coming to our town to what? Beat us in our stadium again? Why Why did we put this on the schedule again? Like, why? why it's weird. I feel like the, the Vikings have hosted the Cowboys like four times in a row yes. now. Like, yes. I, I don't get how that keeps happening. No. Um, I don't it's mind it because it's, it's a classic. It always is. But um, 
it, it's funny you mentioned the Brett Favre team. I think I've told the anecdote briefly that uh, see, I was I was living in Minneapolis for the Randy Moss, um, Randall Cunningham season, oh, yeah. where they went all the way to the NFC Championship, oh. and and I was rooting for him. You know, the Cowboys were out at that point, obviously, and and I wanted to see it happen for that team. You know how that went. So when the Brett Favre <laughs> thing came around and all the Vikings fans I knew were buying the hype, I knew better because I had <laughs> I had objectivity being outside it. And I, I made a bet. I made a small gentleman's wager with uh, one of my best friends um, that that not he was like, the, the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, not only will they not make it to the Super Bowl, but the season <laughs> will end on a Brett Favre interception. And that was the bet. Because uh, I had watched him enough in Green Bay to to know that his, you know, his uh, destiny lined up with the Vikings' destiny. All that spelled was a shovel pass to a to a middle linebacker, um, <laughs> as is always the case with Brett Favre. Um, I, I I so it's your fault. It's your fault that you jinxed be. it. <laughs> no, it's it's Greg Williams, I guess. That was that know, the defensive uh, coordinator of the Saints. I just, yeah. I tell you, man, I that game. I do you know what I do when I when I have pain, like when I feel like, uh, you know, like I feel like spry enough, or when I want to, I just for some reason I just want to go back and watch that game, and it's just the feelings that a seventh grade Colton Jim Hall faces when he goes through that, and it's just like because the old season long. Now I got I got teased in middle school because I was a dork, still am a dork. Uh, but every day I wore a Vikings jersey saying, hey, they're going to do it. And my friend's like, no, they're not. Nerd, they're not going to do it. And to see it end like that. <laughs> a yeah, Colton that's, Jim Hall, that's rough. I, 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 I'll well, just say this. another heartbreak since then. They had that, you know, that, that. 2017 muff. loss. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's. But, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, t- I tell, who was it? I. My wife. Oh no, I was thinking of 2000. Was it 2015 where they had a home playoff game and they they muffed? Uh, a that was 2016. Field goal? That was 2016. That was Blair Walsh. That was at TCF Shank. Bank. That was Shank before at the bank. Yes. Before the current uh, um, stadium was built. Yeah. It was bad. It was it was bad. And it was like it was a, it was like negative 10. I just remember looking at my phone and saying, "Okay, the Vikings are in field goal range. We're going to the second round. You know what are we gonna do?" And all of a sudden, it's final. Seattle Seahawks 12, Minnesota Vikings 10. It misses a 27-yard field goal. And I about I was I was traveling with someone, I can't remember who it was, but we were driving down the highway. I about got out of the car. I was in college at the time. I about got out of the car at full speed at 65 miles an hour and just rolled to, you know, into a sign because of how how of how upset I was. Um, you know, the, the yeah. feelings of the seventh grade disappointment coming back. And then the following year, it was, oh, you know, I just or no. Yeah, it was the following year where we sat there and I'm just like, okay. We go all the way. Um, actually, no, it wasn't the following just year. It was the following two years year later, that. the NFC. Yeah, Champions two years later. They go all, they start out five and oh the next year after that, which was a whole nother thing. And then they yeah. go to the NFC title game. And it was the uh, my my wife, then girlfriend, was always telling me, Oh, the Vikings are doing good. And I <laughs> she knows now. She knows yeah. now not not she's to talk to me lesson. before or after a Vikings game. She knows now. She's been trained. But anywho, enough about the Vikings troubles. You know, I you know I got to be honest with you, Joe. It makes I, me I, feel better, frankly. It, 
<laughs> we're here to raise spirits on this show. We're not here just to talk about, you know, uh, uh, stat predictions and all that. And plus, um, what's what, what is there any hope left for the Cowboys? Which there is. I will stand by that. I it's agree one to week. disagree. <laughs> it's, okay. I'm just not feeling it. it this year. I get it. I it's one game. Let's see what happens. Uh, I will say though, I Joe, I might be I might be psychic. Like hear, hear me out, because. I get a feeling like I get a feeling down in my gullet of when I maybe gullet's not the best term here, but like down in just down below deep, I get this feeling of when a team's going to be good. I'm not going to say that about my Vikings now. In fact, I'm going to knock on wood, but I will say that when we take a look at other teams around the NFL, that team can like that feeling came back for the team, like the Buffalo bills. Like mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if you saw that first game, but like, Oh I, yeah. I watched the whole thing. That I, I'm, they're my favorite to, to I mean, I, I, I'm not any kind of genius prognosticator by saying this, but I, I mean, they're the favorite to, to at least go to the they, Super Bowl, if not. They've win. got the magic. That's the yeah. thing is like in every facet, every single facet, coaching, special teams, offense, defense, like you watch them and they just they float. They don't even like they when they're on the field. It's just like, OK, they've got that moxie. They've got that confidence that. And the Bills are probably uh, one of the only teams uh, uh, that have had more pain than the than my Vikings. But mm. they have that moxie, and I just see mm. them now. And I honestly think that the Bills are destined for greatness. Like they are destined to win the Super Bowl this year. I I, I don't often say that, or at least yeah. it's destined for a heartbreak. Again, I'm gonna knock on wood for the Bills. of epic proportions. Yeah. Yes, and it's I, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope the Bills do win the Super Bowl, um, unless my Vikings make it there as well. Which again. Okay, okay that's, that's I would love to see a Vikings Bills Super Bowl. That would That'd be, be awesome. The most that's like epic. that year it was Spain and Netherlands in the World Cup. Two teams that have never won it, that have yes. lost it a bunch of times. That's uh, nobody in your audience is going to understand that soccer reference, but that's it's okay. it's that's that's the thrill of it. I mean, I, I, as as far as I'm concerned, the the Dallas Cowboys aren't tilting for anything, but I'd love so so it makes the season more fun. I can cheer for the Jaguars and the Bills, yeah, I know. the Vikings, like all the loser teams. Like I'm just like you know, because they're doing well this. Well, the Jags aren't doing well this year, but it's well, um, it's the Jags. They got a ways, yeah. but I mean, they've got some. They've got some dudes though. I, they do. I don't know. I, I, I just got to say, as we add out here, there's, there's hope still. There's, it's only week one, buddy. Let's, <laughs> let's see what happens throughout the rest of this season. You know, you never know. I mean, look at the Vikings in 2000. What was that? 2017 when they had Case Keenum when they had. Um, you know, like that just was a complete fire rocket. Now I know what we know uh, and, and you know what you have in a guy like Cooper Rush, but it doesn't take much sometimes. It does, It really doesn't take much. All of a sudden you've got a team that believes in their quarterback. Are, are you going to sit here and tell me that Case Keenum with that Vikings offensive line was supposed to even make it anywhere near close to the, to the NFC title game? I will tell you, uh, no, I, that's a hard no. I will tell yeah. you as a Vikings fan, I just, I remember watching that and I'm just like, how is this guy not getting sacked every single play? But but anyway, I'll leave it there. But, you know, is there anything else you want to, any, any bold predictions, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, no, going forward, uh, I, you know, I'm interesting to see how the other teams fare. Um, the kind of recently great teams that faltered in the first week, your your L.A. Rams, your your New England Patriots, um, uh, the the well, Broncos haven't been good lately. Who else? Who else lost a big game this weekend that was kind of of note? Oh, the the Ford Inners. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I'm always paying close attention to what's happening with them. Yep. Um, so I, I'm curious to see what kind of patterns emerge because as people have pointed out with the Green Bay Packers, they, they always lose the first game of the season. Yep. Um, or they frequently do. So, you know, it's, it, it, they've lost the first two, I think before and still gone on to the, they to the playoffs. Ended so. up, they figure it out. You know, now that's, yeah. that's the one thing. That's why I'm not getting excited. That's why I'm not getting yeah. excited. Uh, yeah. There's, uh, there is still a lot of football to be played still, except yeah. in the NFC East where the Cowboys will finish last and like the commanders. will. <laughs> I just feel like, I don't know if you've seen that meme when it's like football season and there's like uh, that guy that's like sitting on his porch and then sitting on his swing. And it's like, there's like three or four different things. And he's just eating dinner and it's like, it's all milk toast. Everything tastes gray. It's like after you got broken up with like a love, like your first love, you guys remember that your first love, you get broken up and like taste, you lose the taste. And all it's, the it's, it's the it's the um narcos it's the um that's what the meme is from it's from the yes. show narcos if you look uh pablo escobar yep. meme yes lonely pablo escobar meme your audience can google that and they'll, yes they'll google that that's about. the meme i'm talking about joe is yeah, he's, he's not just our cowboys correspondent he is our our uh, our meme and show expert he well, I am just a humble meme farmer. That's, I mean, ultimately <laughs> he, my you, my real professional title. Oh, I know. He, this man, I, I tell you, you do a lot of great things, Joe. I I wish I had half the editing experience. You do, or uh, I, prowess. We'll we'll call it prowess. But um, no, I got I got to say thank you, Joe, uh, for coming on this week. I know we'll come on. I I hope to see you in in the higher spirits. You'll probably see me in lower spirits because my Vikings <laughs> are going to let me down. I know it. That's but, spirit. Um, uh, I I will. I got to say thank you so much for coming on, my man. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And uh, uh, hook 'em horns. I'm looking forward to playing Oklahoma at the beginning of October. That's that's exciting. I hope I hope I hope Texas puts it together, and I hope that uh, it all finally uh, epic showdown. I don't know how it would happen, but uh, epic showdown in a, in a title game. I don't know, but I mean Alabama's probably destined for greatness. But I do think that hey, uh, the horns will win the Big Twelve. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, again, I got to thank you, my man. I got to thank everybody else for listening. Again, I got to say, uh, I said at the beginning of the show uh, that it's it's gone farther than I ever have thought I would have thought. And I, I got to thank all of you for that have made it possible, including Joe and the, and the, some of the guests that we've had on, uh, all the guests, that is, and all the Elva listeners out there. So uh, uh, after episode 105, we thank you so much. And as always, from the Sports Brief Podcast, peace out.